1: Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do! Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. programs. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. And we are back for another spectacular episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. So Derek was telling me a little bit about uh, something interesting that's happened to him this week, and I have no idea what it is, but uh, I'm ready to hear your story. So lay it on me.
0: So it actually started after last week's show. Okay. So So we finished recording you know, made made a nice dinner, had something light, had some nice grilled chicken with some sautéed spinach, really good stuff. I uh, went to bed soon after that. I think I went to bed around ten or so. Well, I woke up two hours later, and couldn't go back to sleep. I was just really anxious. My heartbeat was really high. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what was going on. Panic attack. I, probably <laughs> with, with other things that. I I have since resolved, but, um, anyway, it kind of calmed down a little bit. And then then I started, you know, feeling worse as the day went on. It got so bad that I actually left work and came back home and went to sleep. So then I kept waking up, you know, throughout the night. So now we're to Thursday. I tried going back to work and ended up getting sent home around one because I was starting to develop a fever. So I thought, well, if I can just get a good night's rest, I think that will help. Well, I thought that it did because then we fast forward to Friday. I woke up and I was just drenched in sweat. Hmm. And I thought, okay, well, at least my fevers were. Like, I woke up and I felt great. And then five minutes later, threw up all over my bedroom floor.
1: Were you having a heart attack? (laughs)
0: No. No. I did not have a heart attack. So Friday, I went to the doctor, and it turns out that I was severely dehydrated to the point where my kidneys were starting to shut down.
1: Oh, my God. Dude. So (laughs) were you just not drinking any water? What were you doing?
0: Not drinking enough water, I guess.
1: Wow. Uh, That makes me thirsty. Hold on a second.
0: (laughs) That's why I've got a one liter bottle of water with me. I drink about three of these a day.
1: Yeah, I drink a lot of water too.
0: So anyway, they pump two liters of water, you know, into me through an IV. They give me some medicine for pain and nausea. And I still am having stomach cramps at this point. But I I go home around 930 at night and, you know, told my boss what had happened. And he told me to stay home throughout the weekend, so I did nothing but sleep and drink water. Nice. And that and today was the first like full meal that I've had in pretty much a week. Like I, that, I've kids? been I've been snacking on stuff, yeah, but not eating. I didn't know if I could stomach like a full meal. Wow. And once once I had it, I felt a lot better. Like I feel perfectly fine now. But that kids, it, it was stay hydrated it was, yeah that is the lesson for today no it was it was a really scary experience
1: yeah i bet so yeah My lord dude take care of yourself man i know <laughs> well i'm glad That's you're feeling a- better man dude don't worry me like that <laughs> i can't do this show by myself are you crazy <laughs> Sure you can. No, I can't. I, mean, I have to get Wally. I mean, I've in done here. it. Nobody wants I've Wally. Done, <laughs> I've done it by
0: myself. You can do it by yourself. Uh,
1: no, everybody loves Wally. He'd be a great He'd be a great co-host, but damn it, I, you're you're the heart and soul of the show.
0: No. Not at all. I'm I'm the the cynical douchebag of the show.
1: No, you are not, sir. But I'm glad you're feeling but better, yeah. man. Dude, that, that after um my kidney stones last year, my my Urologist said that I have to be drinking at least three quarts of water, um, or th- was it yeah three, qu- uh, at least uh, three quarts to a gallon of water a day or something like that. I don't remember the exact <laughs> number. It was a lot, so I drink a lot yeah. of water now.
0: Yeah, I've been like I said, I've got a giant one liter bottle of water. I have about three of those a day, and. Up until today, I've just been kind of snacking on stuff. I I didn't have any solid food between, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday and Saturday. Wow. Saturday, I started to eat a little bit. But I I think tomorrow I'm going to go, you know, try and go full out with it. Yeah. Like, still be smart about what I eat. I mean, I'm not going to go out and eat like a... You know, buffalo chicken burrito or yeah. something like that, because <laughs> that would just soup. be stupid, and that would get end up right back in the ER.
1: And uh, get some soup and a salad, maybe a breadstick, and you'll be all right.
0: No bread bread is actually bread is actually good. Now, I, I had a I had a nice grilled chicken salad with some crackers today. Awesome, which is actually really good. So I don't know what I'm going to have after the podcast, but yeah. I, I'm I'm glad that all of that finally seems to. Be behind me. But That's no, that crazy. I've been dealing with that since pretty much last week's Oof.
1: show. Well, uh, you know, my foot's still screwed up from the week before. <laughs> and uh, I've been hobbling around with a cane. And <laughs> so I've done a lot of sitting around playing video games. I've been playing Spider-Man for PS4. Of course, I played... Um, uh, uh, Gunsmoke for the review tonight and uh, did a lot of game cleaning because I've, I've acquired a lot of games over the last few weeks that I just haven't had time to clean. So I did that for one full afternoon, just sat and cleaned all my NES games that I've gotten. And that was fun. And um, I went to a concert Saturday night that, uh, I saw that I fell in love with this band called from uh, Fort Walton, uh, near your neck of the woods. And they're called the Helvetica Effect. And they have a, a new EP about to drop. They actually have their, their first album you can listen to right now on Spotify, wherever you listen to music. Just look up the Helvetica effect. And they have this new song there that they just dropped off their upcoming EP. It's called Gods and Monsters. Um, you can go to their Bandcamp site to get it. You can listen to it pretty much wherever, like Spotify, Amazon Music. They're great. Dude, Gods and Monsters is like one of the best rock songs I've heard in over a decade. Like yesterday, I li- I literally listened to it about twenty times. <laughs> I'm not kidding; it's so good.
0: The question I have though is, do they use the Helvetica font in their logo?
1: I'm pretty sure they do. I'm gonna have to make sure. Good. <laughs> I would hope so.
0: No, yeah, I'll have to check it good. out.
1: Yeah, go check them out. Anybody listening to this, go check out the Helvetica effect. Um, pretty much wherever. You can listen to music at, and um, they're really good. Uh, I highly recommend it.
0: I, I will say, as one more side note for me, some positive news. The color correction for the Parker Syndrome is almost done.
1: Fantastic.
0: I've, I've, seen, I've seen the first scene of it, and it looks great.
1: That's awesome. I can't wait.
0: <laughs> almost.
1: Oh, boy. Almost done. But, uh, but I'm ready to jump into the news. How about you?
0: Let's do it.
1: So we have a little bit more uh, E3 news because a lot more stuff dropped after our show last week. But um, this is actually was on NintendoLife.com. Konami just revealed the PC Engine slash TurboGrafx-16 Mini. Uh, and you can look at the the trailer for it on either YouTube or you can look at it in the uh, the actual article here. Konami actually holds the rights to the PC Engine slash TurboGrafx 16 brand via its ownership of the now defunct Hudson Soft, which we've actually uh, reviewed some Hudson Soft games right here on this show. Uh, and it has lifted the lid on yet another retro theme: the micro console. Uh, the system t- which took Japan by storm in the late '80s and came to the U.S. Um, which was slightly less successful in the form of the TurboGrafx-16. The console will come in three designs. The Japanese market will get the original white PC engine. Europe will get the core graphics revision. Um, And then the U.S., we will get the TurboGrafx-16 design, which was larger to appeal to American sensibilities. Uh, The games confirmed so far for uh, the American version is R-Type, New Adventure Island, Ninja Spirit, Ease Book 1 and 2, Dungeon Explorer and Alien Crush. Um, Now, I might be a little more interested in this if they come out with a couple more of the good shooters, because that's what the um, TurboGrafx-16 was really known for its shooters back in the day. And I never had one, but I used to go to the uh, Toys R Us and play the display model all the time. And I would love to see like Splatterhouse, of course, Bonk's Adventure, which was sort of like their mascot for the TurboGrafx-16, and a lot more of the shooters like our type. And if they do that, I might be interested in picking one of these up. Oh, yeah, and Castlevania he, Rondo of Blood's going to be on it, too.
0: It's funny because I had never really heard of the TurboGrafx-16 until the Wii Virtual Console mm-hmm. because that had several TurboGrafx games. Yeah, I never played any of them, but that was my first introduction to it.
1: It was always one love- of those machines that like I said, I would go to Toys R Us and play it and I would read a lot about a lot about it in the the gaming magazines at the time and I really wanted one, but there wasn't really that like good killer like, you know, killer app or killer game that was a system seller that really made me want to get one. Like Monk's Adventure was kind of fun to play in the store and of course R type, you know, Splatterhouse was one of those games that was like, Oh, you know, it was uh kind of one of those games that like the parents didn't want you to get because it was bloody and gory and like of course that's what you wanted to play on it but there wasn't really anything that made me go I have to have that but now that I have you know I'm 42 I have disposable income I, I'm I'd be interested in picking one of these up to play it finally after 30 years
0: I think with me it'll depend on the pricing
1: yeah I'm thinking probably 70 bucks is going to be a good price point for this thing. I think if you go anything over 70, you're just going to lose the audience because there's not a big enough audience for the TurboGrafx 16, I don't think.
0: Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree with that. But our next story comes to us from IGN. Arcade 1-Up announces new Star Wars, Capcom, and Namco arcade cabinets. Please take my money. (laughs) Arcade 1-Up announced a new group of smaller-scale arcade cabinets joining its lineup, including a Star Wars cabinet with the original arcade versions of Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. In addition to Star Wars, they also revealed two new cocktail cabinets, a Capcom head-to-head table with 12 Capcom arcade classics, including Street Fighter II, Final Fight, and Dark Stalkers, as well as a Namco head-to-head cocktail table with eight games. The Namco games revealed for the cocktail cabinet so far are Pac-Man, Galaga, and Dig Dug. Both tables are coming later this year for 500 bucks.
1: So we were just talking about this Star Wars arcade machine <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago and how much I would actually want to own one of these. And then, and they drop this a couple of weeks later. I'm like, who is listening to me? Are they? Are the cameras in here? Like, uh, just take my money, please. I really have to weigh the fact that do I really need this because I really want it. <laughs> I, I I don't care that it's going to be like 500 bucks. I want the Star Wars arcade machine.
0: Do you see what it looks like?
1: Yes, I do. It looks. It looks great. sweet.
0: Oh, my God.
1: It's so cool.
0: Yeah. I want that, and then I want the Ninja Turtles one.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Where I'm going to
0: put them, I have no idea, but I will find a space for them. Mm,
1: I want the... I I mean, I really want the Ninja Turtles arcade machine, but good God, look at that Star Wars machine. It's even got the yoke controller on yeah. it. Oh, man. Man, man, man. They're just trying to uh, put me in the poorhouse is what they're doing.
0: They're going to do that to a lot of people.
1: Yes, they are. <laughs> um, but for our last story tonight, Xbox Boss talks a possibility of Xbox Game Pass on Nintendo Switch. Earlier this year, reports and rumors flooded the internet. Oh, by the way, this is on comicbook.com. Earlier this year, reports and rumors flooded the internet that Microsoft and Nintendo were in talks to bring Xbox Game Pass to Nintendo Switch. And while these talks may have happened and may still be happening, there's been nothing said by Microsoft or Nintendo about such a collaboration. That said, Xbox boss Phil Spencer is open to the possibility. In fact, he even leaves the door open for it to happen. But it doesn't seem like it would actually happen anytime soon. Um, He says, noted that right now the team is focused on getting its uh, streaming tech up and running on Android. Further, that bringing Xbox Game Pass to Nintendo Switch is no easy task. Still, the goal with Xbox Game Pass is to bring it to as many places as possible, so who knows what will happen in the future. Um, He said, over time, he'd like to take the Game Pass everywhere. He saw somebody joke that they'd put Game Pass on the toaster, or he'd put the Game Pass on the toaster if he could. He said, I don't know about that. We're focused on the streaming side, at least on Android, because in some ways it's hardest for us because it's so diverse in terms of the number of devices. Um, Of course, he goes on to talk about how much he loves Nintendo, but it's just not, you know, they're they're not anywhere near any kind of uh, announcement for anything. But I think this is a good sign that I really do think Microsoft and Nintendo are working out a lot of stuff in private, which I think is going to come out in the next couple of years. I mean, it may not be anytime soon, but I do think Microsoft and Nintendo are getting pretty buddy-buddy about stuff.
0: Oh, for sure, and I, I think you know one of the biggest examples is what we talked about last week with Banjo Kazooie being included in the new Smash Brothers uh-huh. I, I think it will do nothing but be a good thing for the gaming industry if that happens
1: and I think uh, you know they know that Nintendo has the fan base they have the you know the Nintendo switch is just really popular and Nintendo isn't very good at the um, at you know uh, the online presence and Microsoft is so I, I think there could be a lot of good um uh, there could be a lot of good crossover there like each they could benefit from one another and um if if they could make Nintendo uh, their online experience a little more streamlined make it easier to uh to play with other people uh have your friends play with you and stuff like that. I think it's I think it's a good thing. I mean, it kind of leaves Sony you know kind of like the the kid off in the corner that doesn't get to play with everybody, but Sony is kind of the top dog this generation and Microsoft I think they're they know the that it could only behoove them to get in bed with Nintendo so and take over the next generation of consoles.
0: No, I think you're absolutely right. It, it's funny how to see the cyclical development of things because yeah. I always felt like the Xbox 360 did better than the PlayStation 3. It did. But I know PlayStation 4 has crushed the mm-hmm. Xbox One. Oh, it's so just, I, think I, it's, yeah. I, I think it's natural for Microsoft to obviously want to get better. And to me, yeah. what better way than to team up with Nintendo? And they can do nothing but help each other.
1: Yeah and I think Microsoft really got humbled that, that you know, when they announced the uh, the Xbox One, and their kind of their attitude at that E3, and then Sony just pretty much came out swinging after everybody was just kind of like, "We don't want what you're giving us now, Microsoft. Like you're trying to force all this stuff on us." And Microsoft <laughs> like really got humbled this generation and I think they got a little too big for their britches because they were in the Sony spot last generation. Yeah. And I think Sony is now kind of in their spot where they're the top dogs and they're not wanting to play with anybody. And I think it's going to come back to bite them in the ass this next go around.
0: Yeah, I agree with everything you just said.
1: So um, on on that note, let's go ahead and we'll move into this month in video game history. In June of nineteen seventy-eight, Taito releases Space Invaders in Japan. The worldwide success of Space Invaders marks the beginning of the golden age of arcade video games. It sets the templates, the template for the fixed shooter genre and influences most subsequent shooters.
0: I mean, easily one of the most iconic video games of that era and of all time. Oh, absolutely. You, know, you still see Space Invaders in arcades today. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I've inv- noticed something that I see now are the like the really giant displays of Space Invaders. Yeah. Like it's a huge machine that you play Space Invaders on. I mean, you see and it, it looks really cool. I've never actually tried it, but.
1: Go I mean, ahead. Even even on my Twitter account, like right next to my name is a little, you know, Space Invader ship. Like you see Space Invaders <laughs> yeah. everywhere now. It's still such a pop culture. It's still relevant pop culturally, you know, it's just, um, it, it basically was the, the pack in, it, it was the game that, that put the Atari 2600 on the map because people wanted to play space invaders at home and it came out on the Atari and Atari just, that's basically space invaders can be, could pretty much be, you know, credited with causing the, uh, the home video game explosion, you know, late seventies, early eighties.
0: For sure. <laughs> But segueing into something else that's still iconic in pop culture. On June 14th of 1983, Nintendo releases Mario Brothers, which features the first appearance of Mario's brother, Luigi.
1: Yes, man. <laughs> June of 1983 had a lot of stuff, man. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> uh, now, I will
0: keep it as of note this isn't Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, this is just this Mario is the Mario Brothers arcade game.
1: I was never a big fan of the regular Mario Brothers arcade game.
0: I wasn't either. I remember playing it when I was a kid for the first time and it was like, oh, this, this isn't this isn't quite Mario.
1: Yeah. It it's like the the building blocks of Super Mario Brothers are there, but not quite. Yeah. Uh also on June 19th of 1983, Cinematronics releases Advanced Microcomputer Systems Dragon's Lair. The third laserdisc video game and the first in the American market. Ah, Dragon's Lair, the the quarter muncher of the uh, the arcade at the time.
0: The poster looks like a Disney movie.
1: Yeah, it was. Well, actually, it was, the animation was done by Don Bluth, who was you know did oh, a lot really? of Disney's animation.
0: Nice. Yep. That's really cool.
1: That game cost a dollar to play. At the time. You're talking about, this is 80s money. A dollar is like, you know, equivalent to like 10 bucks in today's money. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Why a dollar?
1: It was just, it was an expensive game to play, man. I mean, it might have even been at the time, maybe 50 cents. But I I know by the time, like, I started going to arcades, like in the late 80s, it it was like a dollar to play Dragon's Lair.
0: Jesus.
1: A lot.
0: Also in June of 1983, Data East releases Bega's Battle, a Laserdisc video game. It uses anime FMV cutscenes to develop a story between the game's shooting stages, which would later become the standard approach to video game storytelling.
1: I never played Bega's Battle.
0: I haven't either. The poster looks a little familiar.
1: We may have talked about this last year.
0: Yeah. Yeah but the the name's not the name's not ringing a bell
1: no i mean some of this stuff i remember vaguely cuz i know we talk about Well, i know we recycle this stuff every year and we've been talking about it for 3 or 4 years now so you would think it would start sticking in there a little bit you would think uh also in june of 1983 yuji hori releases the port how do you say that the port portopia the portopia go. serial murder case for the NEC PC six thousand and one in Japan. It is an influential adventure game that lays the foundations for the visual novel genre. God, I could not spit that word out. Words are hard. Portopopia port <laughs> Portopia. Portopia. I keep wanting to say portopopia. No, I mean it, it sounds
0: like an interesting game because it's got the you know the old murder case mm-hmm. and everything that would have, you know. Drawn me, like, drawn me in whenever I was younger.
1: Yeah. Never played it. Interesting.
0: Let's see. On June 16th, 1983, Microsoft Japan releases MSX, an early standardized home computer architecture.
1: Mm, Microsoft Japan. Hmm.
0: Let's see what this MSX is. Let's
1: see what this beauty looks like.
0: I love the arrow keys.
1: Wow, that actually looks kind of cool.
0: Yeah. I don't hate this. I don't either. It definitely looks 80s, but...
1: It's got a nice little aesthetic to it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Hmm. I dig it. Uh, And also in June of 1983, and this is the last one for 1983, Mattel Electronics releases the Aquarius home computer... Originally designed by Retafin Electronics Far East. I have never heard of this thing.
0: But was it released in the age of Aquarius?
1: No, it is. It was not. And this is not as aesthetically uh, pleasing as the MSX or whatever it was called. <laughs> no. Not See, pleasing at all. The
0: MSX looked eighties in a good way. Yeah, it this did. is eighties in a bad way. <laughs> oh man. But to close us out on this month in video game history, on June 23rd, 1991, Sega releases Sonic the Hedgehog for the Sega Genesis, which later becomes the pack-in game and defining title for the console. It introduces the eponymous character, which will go on to be Sega's mascot. I'm pretty sure I said that name wrong. Uh, (laughs) Sega also releases a re-releases no-releases a version of the game for the Master System and Game Gear. I know we've talked about Sonic quite a bit with yes, the with the whole movie debacle, but <laughs> you know, going back and playing the old Sonic game, it's definitely to me the weakest of all the the 2D games. But it's also the foundation, like it's the building block. Like you yeah. wouldn't have had, you know, great games like Sonic Two and. You know Sonic Three and Knuckles. Had you Damn not had it. Sonic the Hedgehog One,
1: that's what I'm really excited for the most with the the Genesis Mini is playing Sonic the Hedgehog Two and Three because I never got to play those. I've played Sonic the Hedgehog a bunch, but I never got to play Two and Three, and I'm really excited about getting to play those games.
0: Two and Three are great.
1: Uh,
0: I think you'll really like them.
1: I, I wish it would hurry up and get here because I I'm so excited to get my hands on that Genesis Mini. Same. But uh, on that note, let's go ahead and, um, actually, before we go into the review, I want to tell everybody one more time, uh, thank you for sharing us. like, our numbers have gone up a lot in the last couple of weeks, so everybody sharing it, thank you so much. Um, If you can, head over to patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro, throw us a buck a month if you can, or two bucks, or three bucks, whatever you feel like, for all this content. I mean, where else can you get, like, you know, four hours of content a month for a buck? That's cheaper than a cup of coffee. And if we get back to that $50 level, we will do the extra episode every month, which will include um, either a a commentary track or a roundtable discussion or something to do with, like, you know, uh, uh, an old movie or like something video game related. Like, you know, we do the, uh, the commentary tracks for like Captain N and stuff like that. We love doing that stuff. We'll do it every month if you get us back to that $50 level. So that's all you got to do. Go throw us a buck a month. If enough of you do that, we'll get back to the $50 level. And uh, share the show everywhere. Tell your friends, especially if they like video games. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and uh, do the review tonight, shall we? Let's do it. Smoke, or you could just call it Gun Smoke, is a 1985 vertical scrolling shooter arcade game by Capcom. This Wild West themed game was designed by Yoshiki Akamoto. It centers on a character named Billy Bob on the NES version, a bounty hunter who is after vicious criminals of the Wild West. Red Dead Revolver, the first installment of the Red Dead series, is a spiritual successor to gun dot smoke and i did not know that at all <laughs> until reading That's pretty this. cool. I know, that's pretty sweet. Um it's very it says in in the gameplay here that it is very similar to 1942 and Commando, which were both developed by Capcom, but this game is so much better than some of the other uh, scrolling shooters that i've played in the past. Like i've played Akari Warriors, Commando, um, other games. Uh, let's see. Uh, what did I do? Jackal was sort of the the same way. That scrolling kind of top down scrolling shooter. Gunsmoke is easily the best one I've played, and I, I have a lot to talk about this game um, before kind of really going into the review. Um, I mean, to start off, like everybody always asks why there was the dot in between gun and smoke. So you kids today like i don't know if you remember a show called Gunsmoke but at the time like when was this released this was released on uh November of 1985 so when this game was released Gunsmoke had only been off the air for 10 years and it was the at the time it was the longest running television show of of all time. I mean, it ran for 20 years. And even like up until the late 80s when when I got this on on Nintendo and played it, like Gunsmoke was still like a, a still pop culturally relevant because you know, you had, you know, uh, you had your local stations and then you had cable which had stations like TBS and TNT which didn't have their own original programming. So they would, you know, this was the age of like heavy syndication. Like you'd any afternoon you would turn on your state your local stations or TBS or TNT and you'd see like Gilligan's Island and like the Adams family. Of course episodes of Gunsmoke and like the Rifleman. and gunsmoke's like my dad's favorite TV show of of all time. I mean like, I guarantee you he has like an entire VHS collection of <laughs> like uh, gunsmoke uh, collections and um, it was a pretty big kind of thing when I was a kid like I grew up watching Gunsmoke with my dad and um, you know I remember the the weekend marathons that they would have on TBS like the Memorial Day Gunsmoke Marathon like do you remember that kind of stuff at all Derek did you ever experience like was Gunsmoke kind of a a thing when you were a kid
0: I remember hearing about it. I've never watched it, but I think that was Gunsmoke was starting to fade away a bit Yeah, as I became more relevant to things in, in pop culture. But I, I definitely know about Gunsmoke and you know, how long the show ran and everything.
1: Yeah. And, and that's kind of why they put the, the dot in there, because it is not associated with the show Gunsmoke at all. So, I guess, to kind of clear up any con- any confusion at the time uh that this would be you know associated with the t v show or anything but right. um I didn't actually play this game i didn't actually get this game until uh i was in, it, I, actually i remember it it was the weekend after sixth grade was over with, and I think that was what like eighty nine or ninety and my friend Zach who I've been friends with since like the first grade, you know, we were graduating elementary school. We were about to go to, uh, you know, junior high for seventh grade, but we were getting out of sixth grade and he came over for the weekend. It was one of those weekends where like he got to stay like the whole weekend and not just like one night. So it was awesome. Like my friend was coming over for like the entire weekend and that whole weekend was filled with junk food and playing Gunsmoke on NES and, like, I have so many good memories of that weekend. Like, I remember we were playing outside at one point. Like, we took a break from playing Gunsmoke to actually go outside. And this dog showed up in the neighborhood. And I think he ended up actually taking this dog home with him. Like, he talked his mom into taking this dog home. Like, that was that's a weird little memory associated with this. But th- that was my biggest memory of playing this game was, like, me, him, and my brother played Gunsmoke. The whole weekend, and I think we beat the game, like, several times over, just playing it over and over again. So, that's kind of my biggest memory of playing this game. Like, it, and I've been on the hunt for this game for a long time, and it's notoriously kind of a hard game to just kind of come across in the wild. Oh, hey, Kitty, how you doing? He wants to come review it with me, too. Um, but I've been looking for it for a long time and I ran across it at the flea market this last weekend. What are you doing? Are you trying to be on the show? Like what do you uh, you want to review the game with me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I found it this weekend and I bought it um w- with a bundle uh, a couple other games. I got section Z and um what else did I get? I don't remember what else I got. Um What did I get? I got section Z this and something else for like fifteen bucks, which was a really good deal because you can't find Gunsmoke for less than like twenty five bucks on eBay. So I got a really good deal on this game. And um, one of the things I noticed, like it's been a long time since I've played this game, but I I realized like how well this game holds up um, for the NES. Because it was made so well. I mean, it was a Capcom game, so you couldn't go wrong with a Capcom game back then. And this was definitely one of the, the shining, the bright spots for the the overhead shooter genre on the NES. Like, this game, like, the kind of, the, I love the way this game plays. Like, you, you have power-ups. You have, like, the way the game plays is it's constantly scrolling like these shooters do. And, um, you know, you press the A button and you shoot to the right, you press the B button, you shoot to the left, and press both both buttons at the same time, and you shoot straight. So you have a lot of, like, kind of, you know, you don't have to worry about, like...
0: You have a wide range.
1: Yeah, you have a wide range of where you can actually shoot. And then you have different guns you have like the you, you can get the right like you actually run across people in the game like you get points in the game you you kill people and collect money bags you collect um bullets you get boots that make you walk faster you can get um which look like little umbrella symbols from resident evil that actually make you like invincible and things like that it's really cool like i saw those and i was like holy crap that's a resident evil like umbrella corporation symbol and um so, you get all this stuff, and you come across these different, um, like you're scrolling through the town, you'll come across different shopkeepers that will sell you things like, um, uh, you know, a machine gun or a shotgun, uh, magnum, um, uh, like uh, grenades, things of that nature. And each gun kind of shoots different. Like the shotgun has a big spread. Um, the, the, sh- the, um, machine gun has like rapid fire and the magnum is like rapid fire, but it's really powerful. Um, you actually, sometimes you can come across, uh, you know, you shoot barrels in the game and you can, sometimes you'll get a horse and you jump on the horse. You normally, you can only take one hit when you're just walking, but if you get a horse, you can actually take several hits. So it's really good to get a horse and you can actually buy a horse if you don't come across one, like you run across a shopkeeper they'll sell you a horse to use and it's it's really awesome like the the just the way they did this game like with the power-ups and how um, you go through the level and it will go it, the, the levels will be endless unless you find the wanted posters which are hidden among the levels like you have to shoot certain spots like it'll be you know, right next to a barrel in front of a building. You it'll be invisible, but if you shoot the if you shoot where you think it is, like you have to actually listen to the, the differences in the bullet sounds as it hits like you know um the invisible spot, like and then the wanted poster will pop out. You get the wanted poster and then the boss shows up of the level. So if and you can also if you have enough money, you could just bypass all that and buy the wanted poster from some of the shopkeepers, which is kind of cool. So any questions thus far for Gunsmoke?
0: Well, the only comment I have, I actually did watch a good bit of gameplay from it before we started, and it it looks like a lot of fun. You know, it it looks like a game you can just jump right into, figure out how to play it, and it looks like one that you can kill a lot of time playing.
1: Oh, yeah, this game is so much fun. And, you know, the, the first... Boss of the first level is relatively easy. Like most of the bosses are kind of easy. I and I didn't. I actually finished the game this time. I I got like uh, six levels to the game. I think I got like four or five in. But I found like the second boss to be the hardest one of all of them. Um, I can't remember his name. It's something? To, uh, something. He's like Australian or something. And his thing is he comes out and um, uh, he has uh what do you call the uh, boomerangs? And -hmm. there's kind of no rhyme or reason to where they go. Like they just kind of fly all over the place and you can get, you can get killed pretty, pretty easily. Um, So I found him to be the hardest boss. Uh, Yes. It says um, only six of the 10 bosses were in this version. So I guess um, there were 10 bosses in the actual arcade version. Uh, And this one were master ninja cutter, Wolf, Chief, Los Pubro, and Fat Man. Uh, Billy was given extra weapons. A shotgun, a machine gun, a smart bomb, and a magnum. Um, bullets are used as ammo for extra weapons. Uh, let's see. Four bosses had their names changed. Master's change, Master's name was changed to Bandit Bill. Like, that's the first one. Wolf Chief was named to Devil Hawk. Fat Man was changed to Fat Man Joe and Los Pubero was changed to Wingate, So they did do a little bit of change from the, uh, the actual arcade version to the NES version.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, let's see. The soundtrack for the arcade version was composed by Ayako Mori on August 25th, 86. Uh, Alpha Records actually released a limited edition soundtrack featuring all the music from the arcade version, as well as two unused tracks. Its catalog number... Was Capcom game music dash blah 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 blah. Uh, I would actually like to get my hands on the soundtrack <laughs> for this game.
0: Yeah, the music was actually really catchy.
1: Yeah, it is. And like I said, I had a lot of fun playing this game. Uh, it's it's very smooth. Uh, the the it's very easy to control. I mean, it does get a little bit hairy. Sometimes because there'll be a lot of enemies on screen. And sometimes in the later levels, you'll have people coming up from the bottom of the screen, like behind you, and you can't shoot behind you. So you got to kind of work your way around the screen to kind of get in behind them. So that got a little bit frustrating. Um But uh, other than that, this is almost a, like... <laughs> damn near like a, a perfect game to have in your collection for the Nintendo. Like this is one of those games that needs to be up there with like Super Mario Brothers 3, like Zelda, like this is a game that has to be in your Nintendo collection.
0: That's pretty high company.
1: And like I said, it does tend to get a little bit repetitive, but then again, what Nintendo game doesn't, yeah. you know. So, but going in knowing that it's just a you know, top down scrolling shooter. But it's done very, very well, and it's a lot of fun. Um, and especially like getting the power ups and things like that. Like, there's a lot to like about this game, and there's not much I can say about it bad. Like, I really can't think of anything bad to say about it. That's awesome. So I, I'll I have to try mean, it out. You have to. Like, I, I this needs to be to drop on the Nintendo Switch uh, online. Like this has they have to put this out on on the on the switch online because it deserves to be there. This is this has got to be one of those games that everybody plays because it's just it's so Nintendo. It hurts (laughs) if you you get what I mean by that. Yeah. But out of a scale of 10, I give this game a solid nine. Wow. It's up there like I have a lot of I have so many good memories of this game. All right, dude, you're chewing on my cord, so it's time for you to get down now. Come on, kitty. Come on, kitty, kitty. All right. But I give it a solid nine because it's executed very well. It's very uh, colorful. Like, there's a lot of different enemy types and and different, you know, enemies have different um, uh, weapons and they move differently. So each, you know, there's a lot of, of... Enemy varieties in the game. Um, it doesn't really get boring. I uh, love the fact that you have to get you know find the, the wanted posters to to get the um, the the bosses to come out, and it's just I, I love the fact that there are little shopkeepers in the game that sell you things, and just there it's so done so well that I can't really say anything bad about it, and. I highly recommend it. If you have a Nintendo or some sort of uh device to play NES games and you're a collector, this has got to be in the collection.
0: That's awesome. No, it's good to hear, you know, a game that you know, until you mentioned it, I had never heard of it. To hear it get that kind of praise is pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, and it's a Capcom game. It's it's done really well. I highly recommend it. So <laughs> anybody out there like I'm so happy that I finally have a copy of this. I've been looking for it for so long. And just, as soon as I saw it, like, I, boom, it, I didn't care what he was asking for for it. I was, I was, I I wanted it. And yeah. I found a couple other games. I was like, how much for these? And he said, you know, 15 bucks. I was like, oh, sold. And gave him 15 bucks and got my copy of Gunsmoke. Heck yeah. Oh, and another thing to mention, too, is there are two different covers, which somebody pointed out to me. That I didn't know this. There are two, actually, two different cover arts for the game. And um, if you'll hold on for just one second.
0: Standing by. So, what is one for? I assume one's for the arcade and one's for the um, NES version.
1: Yes. I have this copy right here, which is, uh, Ah. if you can see, it's actually more of a uh, cartoonish version of the cover. And um, this is the one, I think they changed it because, and I was reading up on this, it had something to do with, in the background, that actually says bar on the building. And I think they had to change it because of some kind of weird rules concerning something to do, since video games were considered to be for kids, they couldn't have anything that said bar on it. So then they changed it. Uh, to the other version, which I don't have a copy of to show, but you can actually look it up on Google the two different um, cover arts for Gunsmoke. But somebody was like, "You might have something rare there." But I looked it up, and they're neither one or more rare than the other. They're kind of both out in the wild equally. So whichever one you come across, they're they're both pretty much worth the same. So um, yeah, it's just kind of cool. I mean, if you're a completionist, then you're probably going to want to try to find both um both covers of it if you're a completionist which I actually I'm going to keep my eye out for the second cover and this cat really wants to be on the show tonight. <laughs> but I'm I'm actually going to keep my eye out for the uh the alternate cover because I'd like to actually have just both copies of it just to have. Yeah. And it's a good enough game to own twice, so.
0: <laughs> you could have gotten the cat to replace me.
1: Yeah, he could have. He He is being so needy today. I don't know what his problem is. I think he just wants, he's just jealous and wants to be on the show. I think so. (laughs) But, um, that's pretty much my review. Unless you have anything else you want to ask or.
0: No, like I said, you know, I watched from the gameplay I watched of it, I really liked it and would love to try it out at some point.
1: You should. Um, I don't know if there's anywhere to get it. It says actually right here, um, no, there were no re I'm trying to see if there were any kind of um remakes or re-releases of it. I don't see anything anywhere for it.
0: No, the most a- recent is uh PlayStation 2 and Xbox.
1: Yeah, those were the most recent. So I think the only way you're going to be able to play this is either on emulator or finding a loose copy of it out in the wild or you could just get it off eBay. You're going to pay, you know, twenty, twenty-five 25 bucks for a copy of it, but it's worth it in my book. Um, yeah. But like I said, I I I actually hope that um, Nintendo puts this on the uh, the Nintendo Switch online, and I think that would be a good home for it. I agree. But that's going to do it for that this week. Um, anything you want to tell the people before we leave here this evening?
0: Uh, just be sure to check out past episodes of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. Uh, still on break for the summer, uh, looking at coming back either end of August or sometime at the beginning of September. And then stay tuned because the Parker Syndrome is very close to being done. And I, I keep saying it over and over <laughs> and over and over again, but it is very close to being finished.
1: And Servi is still doing a, a festival run. It actually got uh, invited to the uh, the New York what was it called? The, the New York Liftoff Film Festival. Yes. And you will actually be able to watch it online So um, and vote for it. So uh, keep an eye out on, we'll actually tweet it out whenever that time comes. So you'll actually be able to watch Servi online and vote for it in the Off Film Festival. So we'll keep you posted about that. Just go to at Film on, uh, on Twitter and uh, just look up Servi Film on Facebook.
0: Yeah, I think Servi's very close to making 30 film festivals now.
1: It's been in a lot of festivals. <laughs> I told
0: Steve he has to shoot for 50.
1: I'm like, God, man, I'm going to be 50 years old and this thing's going to be uh, in the festival circuit, man. <laughs> <laughs> we, we made that movie like three years ago. <laughs> I know.
0: It doesn't feel like that, though.
1: It doesn't. Like, dude, I actually showed it to somebody the other day, and um, I was... Really surprised at how much weight I've lost since we filmed that. I'm 50 pounds lighter than when we filmed that, that movie, and I'm like, "Holy crap! That's like watching a different person." When we were watching it, I was like, "It doesn't even look yeah. like me anymore."
0: It's still fun to go back. I go back and watch it every now and then. It's it's so good. It's everything good from, you know, well, the acting, of course.
1: <laughs> um, I just think it looks great because you know, yeah, everything
0: from. The cinematography, oh, A.J. Caruso did a great job with the oh, score. Damn.
1: I can't wait it, for people great. to watch it. So everybody that listens to this show, please go watch it whenever, we, whenever it's ready to be watched for the Liftoff Film Festival. Because that might be the only way you're going to be able to watch it for a while. Because I think this thing's going to do like a, a 12-year festival run. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, that's pretty much all I
1: have. Um, and I don't really have too much going on this week. Just, um, kind of keep an eye out for, on my Twitter and Facebook, uh, look me up on Facebook, Jason Robbins, uh, on Twitter at J And, um, I got stuff going on, but I just can't think of it right at the second. So check that out. If you want to follow me doing stuff.
0: Oh, real quick. Do you want to give a tease for next week's show?
1: Yes, I do. <laughs> um, well, we still have to talk to the two other, uh, co-hosts that are going to j- maybe join us that night. I got to talk to them this week. But um, how much do you want to reveal for the show next week? I will
0: leave that entirely up to you. Hmm.
1: It's going to be another debate episode. We're not going to do a review because um, Derek's got uh, some work to do next week. So this is going to be a pre-recorded show. It's going to be a round table discussion about which is better. Should I go ahead and say it? Yeah, go for it. Which is better, like the uh, wrestling in the '80s or the Attitude Era in the '90s? Which is better?
0: It's gonna be great. It's gonna because I remember so. it was something that we brought up. I think I was reviewing a wrestling game, and you had mentioned, "Yeah, I didn't really care for the Attitude Era that much," and it, mm. to me, that was blasphemous. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So speaking of so that- wrestling, I actually picked up uh, Tag Team Wrestling, um, which is by Data East. I picked it up mm-hmm. uh, just randomly at the flea market a few weeks ago, and I just played it for the first time the other day. Whoo, that game is terrible. Like I thought WrestleMania was bad. Jesus, Tag Team Wrestling is a dumpster fire. Like Could they oh, not make a wrestling game for the NES that was any good?
0: Clearly not.
1: I guess not. I have yet to play one. I, I, well, I, I take that back. The black box wrestling is actually kind of fun, mm-hmm. but it's still not that great. But, man, some of these other wrestling games, like R- WrestleMania was terrible, but I think tag team wrestling is even worse. Like, I had no idea what to do. I was just hitting buttons and, like, random shit was happening. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm glad they've gotten better throughout the years. Oh
1: yeah. I still missed the PlayStation Two uh what was it Raw is War or was that the one Oh the
0: the Raw versus SmackDown games. Yes,
1: those were great. Yeah. Yeah, those were a lot of fun. I love playing those games. Well uh, let's yeah. go ahead and get out of here. We're running up on an hour. So yeah. <laughs> we can talk more after we're 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 done here. But yeah. um let me go ahead and play our music here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com, and we will read your email on the show. You can find us at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter, at nerdcaveretro. Individually, at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're at Facebook, at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. We're on Patreon, at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. If you can't throw us a buck a month over there on Patreon, then leave us a review wherever you listen to the show. So Derek, please, tell them what it's all about.
0: Wow. Master Blaster
1: runs by town.